Hey, we're in a series uh, that I started last week called Beyond. And what we're looking at is a, a fantastic, we just sung a song about the promises of God, but this is an incredible promise. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, 21. Now to him, God, who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond. Everybody say beyond. Beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus and to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think what this verse certainly tells us is God is big. And we have to always be careful not to uh, shrink God to our size, but that we keep enlarging us to his size. God is big, he's exceeding, he's abundant, he's beyond, and his glory and his greatness, uh, this passage tells us, is tied to his church, it's tied to Christ Jesus, and it's tied to all generations. Now, part of this uh, in, uh, in, in talking about this uh, verse and talking about this kind of thinking for life is pointing us toward our Endeavor spring offering that's coming on May 6th. Uh, every year in the spring, we kind of launch a new year of Endeavor Giving. Endeavor Giving has paid for the chairs we're all sitting in today. Thank you to some Endeavor partner back in the day. Has paid for the screens we're watching. Endeavor Giving has built these buildings. The one that's behind us where our kids are meeting right now. Our lobby expansion. But Endeavor Giving also helps us to dig freshwater wells. It helps us to do great things in the nations. It helps us to keep re Reaching beyond ourselves. And next week, I'm going to share a few uh, thoughts that are, that are vision for us for this next year. And so you don't want to miss that. In your seat in front of you today is a, a Endeavor brochure. It's freshened up for, for this season. You can see a little bit about where we've been, where we're going. But I'm inviting everybody that's part of our church family to lean in, not with just a, a token giving uh, offering for Endeavor, but with a beyond kind of thinking. And, uh, and so we've even got our kids involved in this. We're trying to teach all generations. And so we've got our children, Kids Rock, got these little piggy banks, says the Rock Church on it. And uh, we've got our kids filling these up with coins so that even the little ones understand we can all be a part of this. We can all make this happen. We got our, our nation. And come on, that's good. So, so give your kids some jobs to do. Don't just give them money to put in there. Amen. Give them some jobs to do around the house. Yeah. Make them dig a hole in the yard just for the sake of doing it. So I'm kidding. But our kids are filling this up. Our, our teenagers are, are involved. They're kind of got teams, and they're leaning in uh, so that everybody is involved in this. I love this idea of all generations and the idea that we have to think generationally. We have to think uh, the generation that's gone before us 
has paved the way for us, but we're also paving the way for the next generation and what's going to happen beyond us. One of the, uh, the fantastic things that happens in so many cities, um, like Barcelona, Spain, there's an incredible cathedral there, uh, uh, architect Antonio Gaudi, and this cathedral has been in the process of being built since 1882. 136 years of building this facility. It dominates the landscape of Barcelona. It's an incredible vision. Uh, it's an incredible uh, thing to resource. $27 million a year is right now is spent on this. Of course, you know, you see we have crane towers and all that. Didn't have any of that in 1882. But but I love this idea. 136 years ago, this started. They say eight years from completion. I give them another 16 years till they complete because I know what building is like. And uh, so 150 years to build this. Generations that have gone on. The, the architect was asked, why are you trying something so big, so massive? Why is this taking so long? He said, my client, God, is not in a hurry. I mean, I mean, you can recognize vision and resources that spans generations. And what I'm uh, get, trying to get us to think about here is this idea that God gives his exceeding abundant beyond to enable us to, to go beyond just our own maintenance. God is not just interested in you and I maintaining our life. Just give me a cabin in the corner of glory. He is interested in pouring his best into us so it can pour through us. So that we can reach beyond ourselves. Reach beyond our own maintenance. Reach beyond just going through the dailies. But really living for a mission, for a cause, for a purpose, for his story. And so, so I'm pushing this value that we have right now. We're fishing in the ocean, not just maintaining an aquarium. And, and I hope that draws a picture for you. I am 61 years old today. Come on. 61. I know. I don't look a day over 60, but uh, here I am. And I have this realization that, that there is another generation in our church that's that's older than me, that could be my parents, but then there are literally three generations under me, uh, uh, 40-year-olds, 20-year-olds, babies that are in our church right now. Five generations exist in our church. Each one of those generations is going to have its own distinctive, but we're all five generations in this church right now. We're not separated in generation. We bring our generational distinctive to this generation. You're in the Rock Church for such a time as this right now. You weren't here 10 years ago, 20 years ago, tw almost 30 years ago when we first started. You're here today. We're all together. From the babies to the oldest person in the church, we're all in this one generation, five generations in one generation. And we're all making the investment into our inheritance. So one of the things that we wanted to do was to, to have the voice 
of a new generation uh, come out for you guys. And so when we think about beyond, one day I'm going to step down and Suzette and I are going to saunter off into the West. But that ain't going to happen anytime soon. But right now today, I want to give you an opportunity to hear from the voice of a new generation, Greg Barney, Justin Clark, Therese Southern. Come on, let's give them a hand. Hey, thanks, and thanks to our pastors for giving us a chance to get up here. Uh, I'm Greg. I'm our worship director here at our church, and I'm so glad to be with you guys. I've, I've attended the church for over half my life. I came as a college student, and I've been on staff for over a third of my life now. And uh, hey, thanks for being here today. I want to raise hands. New people, welcome. Uh, if I don't talk well, come back. It'll be great next time. I want to share a thought that I legit think could help us grow in our faith as we think about beyond, and it's this, gratitude and grit. Can we say that together? Gratitude and grit. See, we find faith right now for what God is doing right now when we remember what God has done in the past. It is a tool we have to have in our lives. And it came back to life for me again recently as I remembered a story that I want to share with you today. It's a time when God stopped the flowing of a river so that his people could reach their promise. Now, it's about water, and I, I like water. I like the clean kind that comes from my pipes a little more than I like the uh, other kind that has critters and things in it floating when you get in it. My wife loves natural water. Uh, if any of the ladies here want to grab Jessica and take her to Lake James for a camping trip, I would appreciate that. She would appreciate that. Uh, you should take her and go. Uh, I, I do enjoy water. I've been whitewater rafting a number of times and really enjoyed that. And, uh, but one of the times I was on this river in Colorado, and that rock right there is where the raft stopped and I kept going. Okay? Yeah, it was a small group, one raft, one kayak, and a very small group of people. And uh, the raft got stuck there. I flopped out. And lost the oar, went down white water, tried to keep my head above, you know, eventually got rescued and the whole deal. But uh, yeah, it was a big experience. And I have a respect for natural water. But when we think about God parting waters, we need to think about this kind of thing and what could happen in water like that. Uh, so that is a trip of mine. Our main character in this story today is Joshua. Now, he's the leader of a nomadic nation of people of Israel at the time. And they're ready to go to their promised land, but they face an obstacle, which is a river. In Joshua 3, 5, let's look at this. Joshua told the people, hey guys, concentrate, concentrate, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I wish God would talk to me that clearly and just be like, hey man, say it's going to be great. You know, so something's about to happen. The people have all heard the stories about God's miracles. The entire nation of Israel has heard the stories, but it's important for us to note, none of these people saw God part the waters. That generation had died. Their moms and dads saw the waters part before. They hadn't. They've only heard the stories, but they have the story, and they're going to be grateful for it. And it says, and the Lord said to Joshua, their leader, today I will bring, I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. It's important that Joshua looks back and remembers Moses. It's also important that the people of Israel look back and remember Moses, because God did good things. God did good things. He did it before. He did it before. We have to remember that. It wasn't the first times the waters parted. Joshua needed to remember. And that's where the gratitude for us comes in. Gratitude. Remember what God has done. You can look back and you can see his goodness in your life. 
Verse 8, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, that is the presence of God on the earth at the time. Tell the priests who are carrying the presence of God that when you reach the edge of the waters, go and stand in the river. Every child of Israel at the time knows that's different. We didn't do that last time. We didn't have to step in the water last time. We stood by the water, raised a staff, and it parted. And they, everyone noticed that difference when they heard that. And we do too, because if God's done something in your past, it's easy to trust him if he would just do the same thing again. If he, wouldn't, if he would just do it identically to how he did it last time, I, could, I got faith for that. But God's starting to change up things a little bit here, and it's going to take some grit. Verse 15, now the Jordan is at flood stage. <laughs> okay, so they're trying to get the nerve up already to go and be like, God did it before. He can do it again, right? They step up to this river that is normally about 90 feet wide. In flood season, even at modern days, it reaches 500 foot wide. Okay, you ever approach something you thought God was going to answer for you and it looked even bigger than you had already thought? Yeah, it is humongous. It's hard to believe for. We gotta have faith. It's grit. Faith for what God is doing right now. Verse 15 and 16. So as soon as the priests who were carrying the presence of God reached the river and their feet, what? Touched boop, the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. So the people, people of God, trying to get to the promise that God has for them. They have moved. They stepped in in obedience. They've stepped up in faith, just like you and I do when we obey Jesus. And here's the kind of good move that God makes in response to when we make a move. The water didn't just move right around their foot. That would have been cool. You know, like, oh, okay. Okay. Right? He didn't just make a little path. That's where my faith is sometimes. God, would you just make a little hallway? So I can get through this water right here? Yeah. He didn't just do that. He moved the water. They say, based on landmarks in the Bible, that the water stopped 17 miles upriver. 17 miles upriver. I want to display that's not just enough, right? That's more than enough. The idea here is that the entire nation of Israel could line up against the shore. They could hold hands if they wanted to, and they could all walk across the riverbed together. Bigger, more than enough. It goes on to say that so the people crossed over opposite Jericho, their promised land. The priests who carried the presence of God stopped in the middle on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I'm just adding one little detail for us to understand that God cares about every single bit of this. It could have been nasty, sloppy, murky, muddy water, like when I get in the lake and my foot hits the bottom. It could have been like that. But it was what? Dry ground. Every detail, exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all we could ask or imagine. That is our God. It's how big he is. See, we, we have limits, don't we? So we think he does. Right? We think he does. But he's not only enough, he's more than enough. And we could try to measure his bigness, but if we actually found some tool to do that, the universe runs out before he does. 
Like he is that big and that able. It takes gratitude. We have to remember what he has done. We find faith for what God is doing when we remember what God has done. So, I know God. He's relational. And I know that he's telling you to do something. Because I don't think he just does that to me. <laughs> I, think he's, I know he's telling you to do something. And I know from experience that you need faith for it. Right? Because God has a way of going, I want you to trust me and do something. I want to do a little something bigger than you could do on your own. So you have to look back and find the gratitude because you need the faith. So here's a story in my life that I look back to, and I'll have it the rest of my days, to look back to and see his goodness in his life. And you have to find these for yourself. I want to show you a picture of my family. Oh. They're adorable. So Jessica and I, we knew that we wanted to grow our family by adoption before we were married. It was something we had experienced, cool story, more than for today. But we went on this journey. And like any God-sized goal, it was daunting. It was bigger than me. It took time, and we knew that it would. It took more. Uh, It took us uh, doing multiple home studies It took us finding the right agencies to work with. There were many steps. We knew there would be. There were more. Um, It took money, lots of it. We knew that. It took more. It was bigger than we were. See, our faith had already grown in generosity because Jessica and I had already wrestled with the idea of obeying God with our tithe. So we had already put reps under our belts from that of just, just obeying God, obeying God, obeying God, being generous to the Lord. And we'd also given multiple endeavor offerings, you know, going, oh, God's asking us something big. God's asking something from us big. God's, you know, we get building our muscles, our faith muscles underneath. So we'd already had these stories of God's goodness. So we go into this with friends and family and the support of God and began fundraising. And it's a long story, but here's the short version. The agency we worked our fundraising with, they had to call a special meeting because they'd never have anybody raise more money than they needed for an adoption. They literally called a meeting. They literally built a fund, created a place for for them to store the surplus, to store the more than enough that God brought into our lives. Amen. And, because there's always this kind of cool factor of God here, we were able to give a large sum of money to another family who is building a forever family through adoption because of the overage. It takes gratitude, it takes grit. We find faith for what God is doing. Remember what God has done. God is telling you to do something. And you know that it's bigger than you are. Here is the good news. God is bigger than the thing he's asking you to do. Amen. He is with you. Amen. He is for you. Just think of what he could do if you would take a step in the direction he's calling you to go. Guys, thanks for letting me share today. Let's welcome up Justin Clark. How is it going? Hey, I am Justin Clark, and I have been at our church for about nine years, and I've been on staff for about four years. And I want to take one second and say thank you, Pastor Kirk and Suzette, for allowing me, allowing us to do this. It's an honor. I appreciate you guys. And give it up for Greg. Gratitude and grit. That was awesome. So 
I am privileged and honored to be married to the incredible Teresa Clark. Here's a picture of us with my little boy, Hudson. He is pictured out, I promise. We have over 4,000, well, I have over 4,000 pictures of him in three years. That's a lot. The kid, he's just used to a camera. He doesn't care anymore. Um, so the idea I want to talk about today for a little bit is stepping out beyond our own fear of failure and stepping into what God has for us. Um, some of you may know that I am a musician. I play a couple of instruments, and one of the instruments that I play, I've played here is drums. And here's me playing drums with the creepiest face you've ever seen in your life. Everybody waited to laugh until I said that to acknowledge that that face is creepy, I know. But it is. And I don't even remember, like, I don't remember the moment that that picture was taken. I just remember seeing it afterwards and going, I didn't even see the photographer. It was Guido. Like, I didn't even see him take it. And it's like the Boston Marathon guy that just has the good face. Apparently, I have the good face. So this is me playing drums. I didn't start out playing drums. I started out being a band nerd in school. And I started out playing saxophone and trumpet. And I was in jazz band and marching band and all the fun stuff. And... I didn't play drums. I didn't actually know I could play drums. I didn't start playing drums until I was 17, 18 years old, and I was in youth group. I ran sound. I edited videos on VCRs. Remember that? Anybody remember that? Who doesn't know what a VCR is? Anybody? Don't know. Don't know. All right. VCRs, big black tapes, and they like wind up, and you have to like stick this cartridge in. They're nasty. That's what I did. I was the behind-the-scenes guy. I played instruments in school, but I was, you know, I was with a band. There's 50, 60, 30 people on stage. Nobody notices me. One day at rehearsal, our drummer didn't show up. That ever happened to anybody? Greg, that ever happened? Our drummer didn't show up. So we're waiting for our drummer and for youth group, and I get up on the drums, and I'm just I'm goofing around. I'm going off, and um, I still remember the song that was playing. It was Audio Adrenaline. It was a song called Bloom. This was the 90s, Amen. And um, I'm playing along to the song, not even realizing that I'm playing along to the song. And my youth pastor at the time, he walks up and he goes, I didn't know you could play drums. I didn't know I could play drums. I didn't know I was playing drums. I literally was just like, like an animal in a cage over there just beating on him. And so he goes, well, surprise, next week you're our drummer. Instantly, whoosh, I'm like soaked in sweat. It is, oh man, it's bad. Got to remember, I'm behind the scenes of running sound. We're not the, usually the guys that are on stage. We're usually the guys turning these things on and making you sound good. We're not usually the ones up here with other people turning our mics on. So the following week, I am on stage. I am drenched, soaked in sweat again. I promise my clothes, it was like, it was like I was in a rainstorm, but I was just sweating, 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 sweating. Here's a picture of me playing drums a couple years later. <laughs> Little young Bieber Justin right there. And this was like two years after I started. Notice the airbrush graffiti on the back wall. Our youth group name was Light Force. It was awesome. But I would take those round, like, bronze symbols, and I would position them like this. Because I thought if I hid my face that nobody could see me. <laughs> Dumb, I know. Um, but really, I didn't want to see anybody else because I was afraid. I was scared. And what's, what's even worse is I was scared for no reason. Y'all, let's be honest, y'all are not looking at the animal that's in the cage over here playing drums. You're looking at Caitlin singing, playing guitar. You're looking at Justin. You're listening to them. They sound awesome. If you look at the drummer, there's a couple of things. You're either a drummer, amen. Um, the drummer has either hit himself with the face with a stick or lost something. Stuff has gone flying and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Like that's really the only reasons you look over there. 
So nobody was looking at me playing drums, but here I am on stage, and I am, I'm sweating. I'm, and then I get done, and I like dart off stage because I was afraid. I was just afraid. I don't even know what I was afraid of. I was just afraid. I was probably afraid that people would just look at me. That's weird. I think God is constantly opening doors for us, but he's waiting for us to step into them. He's waiting for us to take the action. Pastor said it earlier. He said the, the blessings come in the action, right? They come in the stepping out. So taking drums was a step. It was a risk for me, or taking drums, playing them, was a step. It was a risk. Have you guys ever taken a step, taken a risk? I know everybody has. Um, it was a step for me to help my church. To help, It was a step for me to grow myself. So right now, on this stage, right here at the edge, there's two risks. I could fall. But the other risk is I'm communicating, and this is a step and a risk for me. I'm not normally the guy that's on this end of the microphone. So this is a step. I could fail. I'll find out on Tuesday if I failed or not, but I could be failing right now. Yeah, he'll let me know. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, Pastor Kirk is up here all, you know, almost every Sunday, has been doing it for 30-plus years. I'm following that. I mean, I'm following that. So as I was thinking about this message, it kept reminding me of one of, not my favorite, one of my favorite movies from the 80s, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Who's an Indiana Jones fan? Come on. Who's a band nerd and an Indiana Jones fan? Come on. Yeah, there we go. Love y'all. So um, there's a scene. It's called Leap of Faith, and it's right here. It's on the screens. And he's, Indiana Jones has got to cross this thing. He's going to get the Holy Grail, right? And he steps his foot out, but he doesn't actually see the bridge. He doesn't know what he's going to happen. And he has to just let it drop. He is scared. See him, I mean, that's what I look like playing drums for the first time. He's like <laughs> sucking in and out air. But then he lands, and he goes. So I think we get in our way so much and so often that we don't realize it's us. I think we blame it on everybody else. We blame our fears, our limitations on people, circumstances, sometimes God. We blame it on everything, but it's never us, right? And it's almost always us. It's easy to sit on the sidelines. It's easy not to do anything because there's no risk sitting there. You just sit there. It's comfortable. I want to sit on the sidelines sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to move that chair. I'm just going to sit here and see if somebody else moves that chair. Like, it's just, it's easy. I think we have more innate ability inside of us than we give ourselves credit for. I think God has put stuff inside of us that we are so afraid to tap into. We're so afraid to step into because we could fail. It could happen. Um, we're, we're all kind of reading Ephesians 3.20, and the Amplified Version really stuck out to me. It says this. It says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. His power, not our power, his power. What are we afraid of? His power is in us. Super abundantly means excessive in quantity, more than sufficient, over abundant. I have some big dreams, y'all, and he can do far beyond that. So it reminds me of what, what Pastor Kirk said last week. He said, how big is your ask? 
It's scary to think about. It's scary to think. You have these big dreams. You have these big things inside of you, and God can do above and beyond that, and it's really you that's holding you back, not him. So don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to dream. Don't be afraid to fail. There's a, a, an illustrator and a, a writer that I follow. His name is Stephen McCraney, and he said this, the master has failed more times than the beginner has tried. Dang, if that doesn't hit you hard, you aren't trying anything. That is good. The master has failed more times than a beginner has tried. That means that they have failed. That means that you will fail, but you have to take the step. You have to be courageous enough. I think we're so afraid of failing that we don't even try. We don't want to fail, and the people that are the masters, they make it look easy. Pastor Kirk makes it look easy getting up here week in and week out. I promise you it's not. He makes it look easy. Um, maybe trying something new for you isn't getting up here and speaking. Maybe it's playing drums. Maybe trying something new for you is coming to church today. Maybe you're brand new and this is your first time and you, you just tried something. Maybe it's volunteering. Maybe it's serving somewhere. Maybe it's being a drummer. We need drummers. Anybody got a drummer? Sean's a great drummer. We need more. Both Sean's. We need more drummer. Maybe, and just maybe, it's tithing. Maybe it's giving your 10%. You're afraid you're going to fail. You're afraid to lose that money. It's the one area in the Bible that God says, test them. The one area. He says, test them. He says, try it. Maybe it's giving to the endeavor offering. Maybe it's stepping out and doing that. It's scary, right? It can be scary. Greg was talking about stretching. You have to stretch to do it. It's not easy to give away something that's so tied to your heart. Um, Ray Kroc, he is the founder of McDonald's. He says this, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful individuals with talent. I bolded that sentence on purpose because talent will not. Nothing is more, in common, more common than unsuccessful individuals with talent. I do not want to be somebody that's unsuccessful with the God-given talent in me. It's not me. It's his power inside of me. That's what Ephesians said, right? Come on. So prepping for this made me realize I am speaking to myself probably way more than I'm speaking to you, but hopefully you're getting something out of this. Hopefully God is speaking through me to you in some area of your life. I'm using drums. That's my easy identifier. Maybe there's something different for you, but let me tell you, you're going to fail it's going to happen. I have smacked myself so hard with a drumstick you don't even know. It is going to happen. But it's what you do with that failure. That's what's going to make the difference. Thomas Edison, this is the last quote I want to share. He says this, failure is just a learning opportunity. You didn't fail 100 times. You just found 100 ways not to do it. We, we, that's right, come on. We are not God. We are not perfect. God is perfect. We are going to fail God has given us a talent. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. It's up to us to take the step, right, like Indy did, and see where we land. It's us to up to do that. So I want to strip that away from me. Hopefully it strips some away from you. Thank you guys so much. Let's give it up for Therese. Thank you, Justin. Justin referenced marching band and Indiana Jones, which makes this nerd, nerd girl's heart. Very happy. Well, good morning. My name is Therese Southern. I have been a part of this church for 20 years. I can't believe I'm old enough to have done anything for 20 years, but I had the privilege of being on our staff team for 10 years. And let me tell you, that is a hardworking group of fun 
people. I miss them every day because right now for about the last year, I've been a stay-at-home mom to my two babies. And I will talk about them, of course, in just a minute. Um, but having a blast, culture shock too, to, to, to become a stay-at-home mom. But it is a lot of fun. I am loving this new series that Pastor Kirk has started called Beyond. And I know we've seen the scripture already, but hey, we, we can't look at it too many times. Because I, Pastor Kirk has said this about Ephesians 3.20. What if this was the only scripture you ever saw in the Bible and you built your whole life on it? What, what amazing things could happen. So let's look at it. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So that's the scripture we're looking at. Hey, the word of God is living. And that means that in every season of our lives, different parts of scripture will speak to us. Like the same scripture will speak to us in a different way. You can be reading the Bible and be like, hold up. Has that always been in there? I, I've read this before, but it's like speaking to me. It just knocked my face off. And so that's because the Holy Spirit has something fresh for us. His word is alive and living. Never gets old. Hey, so for me right now. A big word coming out of that scripture for me is the word imagine. Imagine. That word has struck me. It's made me think, do I even imagine anymore? Because when you're a parent to a toddler, you have a front row seat to the development of imagination. I mean, it's right there. It's every day. Hey, this is my family right here. Love them. There's my awesome husband, Ryan. My little two-year-old Noble, my one-year-old Evie, they are a blast. And, you know, they're in different stages. Evie, she is still just taking toys and banging them on a wall and drooling. So that's where we're at right now with imagination. But Noble, it is starting to form. Here's a picture of Noble right here. He's running a quick errand for me, probably going to Aldi. He's really helpful. He likes to pretend that he's driving. Noble drive, Noble drive. So we do that a lot. Um, but instance of Noble and his imagination here, the other day he said, mommy, I saw a dragon outside. And you just go, okay, we weren't even outside today. But that's, he likes to, when we're looking, when we're reading a book, he, he wants to hold the things he sees in his hand and go, Noble, hold it. Noble, hold it. So the other day there was a baby mouse, and he, he picked up the baby mouse, put it in his hand, kissed it, put it back in the book. <sighs> Everything right now to Noble is a telephone. Everything. I understand like a banana, that kind of makes sense, right? But refrigerator magnets. Recently my elbow. And even more recently, his sister's foot. He goes, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah, okay, all right, okay, bye. Uh, he puts his toys in a line, and he says, they're going to race, Mommy. When we open the attic in our house, to him, it might as well be a magical door to Narnia. Because when we open it, he comes running, and he's like, oh, noble attic. He wants to go look at it. I mean, it's just magical to him. So his mind is crackling and buzzing with the potential of everything around him. His day, all day, is discovery and wonder and the potential of what if. Like that is every day. I watch this and I'm so amused, but I'm also realizing that I don't think I imagine anymore. 
And maybe a lot of you are like me. Why do we not imagine anymore? Well, I think responsibility takes control of our lives. We have work, family, bills, schedules. You know, imagining takes some breathing room. I think reality takes over and our thoughts move to scarier things of reality. War, crime, terrorism, hatred. It's hard to imagine and dream. Um, and I think imagining doesn't seem like the mature thing to do sometimes. So and we all feel a pressure to be mature. So over time, we forget to imagine. But look what he says in Ephesians 3.20. Apostle Paul is talking to us. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Here in Ephesians, Apostle Paul is giving us permission to imagine. Surely God wants us to ask. God wants us to dream. He wants us to imagine. So what does he want us to imagine then? Like what kinds of things? Um, Knowing our good God, he is always more deep, more profound, and working out a bigger picture than we think. So he's probably not necessarily telling us to imagine that new sports car in your garage in the morning when you wake up. Imagine becoming a world-class athlete tomorrow. Imagine a unicorn. Imagine a superpower, right? No, but actually, you know our good God, he actually promises things that are much more grand and actually much more satisfying than all of those things. So what kind of thing does he want us to imagine? Well, we actually get a hint in Scripture. It gives us a hint of what kinds of things God wants us to, God wants us to imagine. Let's, let's look at it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So there's a hint for me. God, you want me to imagine the things that would require a work of Christ inside of me. The things that would require Christ's power. That's what you want me to dream about. So let's ask ourselves this. When we're imagining When we're dreaming, we need to ask ourselves, hey, does this require Christ's power to do a work in me? This thing I'm dreaming, do I need Christ's power to do a work inside of me? That's a good filter for us to put through our dreams and put our imagination through. So now when we start to use that as our filter, it becomes less about material things. And it becomes a lot less about quick fixes to our circumstances. Because we're talking about a work happening inside of us and these things we're dreaming about and these things we're imagining now become very personal and become very intimate like between you and God but hey be encouraged because any step to where we want to be any step beyond where we are begins with our imagination all right so if you say I'm right here but I don't want to be here I want to be there Start imagining. Start dreaming. I don't want to be this person. I want to be this kind of person. Start imagining. It starts, starts with that God wants us to dream. He wants us to dream. So, hey, let your mind wander. And imagine freedom that Christ can bring. So let's, let's give, let me give you a few examples of letting our mind wander and really go there to this new reality we can have in Christ. For instance, imagine being free from bitterness towards someone. Okay, so, hey, we all know this story. Someone's hurt us, right? But now that bitterness has taken up residence inside of you. It's like that's its home, and it feels permanent. 
it's like a new organ in your body. That's the way bitterness can feel. But now, imagine your life free of that. What is it like? Like, really go there. What is it like to not think about that person every day? What is it like to shed the identity of a victim? I mean, like you peel it off and you leave it and you walk away. What is it like to not let vengeance motivate you anymore? And imagine what it would be like to trust somebody again. All right? Use your imagination. Christ will do a work in you and get you there. Imagine financial freedom. Like real financial freedom. Maybe you grew up with financial struggles. It's all you've known and it's, you think it's all you ever will know. Imagine not being afraid of money. Imagine not being frustrated by it. Imagine knowing how to spend it, how to savor it, how to be generous, how to leave a legacy. What would it be like? Take yourself there. Man, what would it be like to hear that someone has a need and I have enough finances to help them? What, get, what would it feel like to be debt-free? Not, it's not like back here in your mind all the time. What, what would be the relief I'd feel if I had an emergency fund? set up, you know? What would it be like to lean in when the church that I love, and I know so many of you love this church, what would it be like to lean in when the church that I love is receiving an Endeavor offering? What would it be like to look around and say, I helped build this. This place where lives are changing every single day, I helped build this through sacrifice and investing into this place. What would that feel like? Hey, imagine the freedom, here's another one. Imagine the freedom from comforting vices that we often turn to, okay? So right now, imagine what would it feel like for self-control to start to form inside of you like a muscle? Freedom from any area that's enslaving us, right? What we watch on TV or our computer late at night, that's bondage. It becomes more powerful than us. What we eat, do we gossip? Does it feel like something we just can't stop on our own? But now imagine, what would it feel like to be clear-headed? Those things foggy up our mind, right? They take away our confidence. They like sap our very life force. Now imagine being free of that. Hey, imagine, this is, the, this is another one. Imagine your life free of worry. Imagine the version of you that's not worried. And all of the chronic physical problems that come with worry. Hey, what would your regular day be like if you weren't worried? Like just a normal day in your life. What would you talk about if you weren't always talking about the things that you're worried and anxious about, right? You'd have to think of new things to talk about and post on Facebook. Honestly. And what new things could get your, your creativity, your energy, your focus if you weren't worried. So those are some ideas of things to imagine, but now go beyond that because these things Christ wants to work in us impacts other people. So imagine now further than that, imagine your children being raised by someone who is free and confident in Christ. What would that be like for them? Can you imagine what it would be like to be raised by a parent free and confident in Christ? What does the atmosphere of that home feel like? Free and confident in Christ. What would it be like to be your friend? To be the friend of someone who's free and confident in Christ? And those kids are going to go on to raise their kids because to them the new normal is a house where I am free and confident in Christ. I'm not super complicated and uh, <laughs> crazy all the time. Free and confident in Christ. They're going to raise their kids that way. This is going to touch generations. So all these things these healing of our broken places, these freedom and our bound up places where we feel like we're a slave, all these things require Christ's work, all of them. Because fixing our innermost places, like our innermost places, 
It's something that only Christ can do because we would have done it already if we could, and we haven't. So start dreaming, everybody. Start imagining because any step beyond ourselves begins there in our imagination, and it ends with Christ's work in us. Here's a great quote from Pastor Philip Brooks, who's a pastor in Massachusetts in the 19th century. He said, pray the largest prayers. You cannot think a prayer so large that God, in answering it, will not wish you had made it larger. Pray not for crutches, but for wings. Believers, I think we are notorious. Notorious for praying for crutches. But hey, what crutches have you been dreaming of? Scrap that. Let's pray instead for wings. So this is the challenge I have to myself and to all of us today. Start imagining what Christ's power can do in you. That step begins with imagining, with dreaming. He wants to. Christ wants to do a work in us. He wants to set us free. And the good news is that that can start today. And actually, it can start in like the next 40 seconds. (laughs) As Pastor Kirk is going to lead us in how we can start that journey with Christ. So thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Beautiful. So good. All these guys. That was amazing, guys. Come on, let's give them one more hand. Would you do it? I'm always taken with this idea that uh, Therese shared any step beyond where I am today starts with my imagination. It starts with a vision. It starts with a thought that it's a possibility. And uh, I just believe that uh, all of us, I don't think God wants us living the same year over and over and over again. I believe that he's got something fresh and new and alive for every one of us. And there's a lot of talk in our society about dreamers And that label can be applied in a lot of situations, but I want to encourage you to be a dreamer, that you would believe God and lean into something, a life that's beyond yourself. So I want to pray with you today. Would you bow your heads, please, and just take a moment, just a couple of moments together here, uh, just to kind of center in on the presence of God, center in on what's going on in your soul. Father, I lift up every man, every woman, every, every child, Father, that is within the sound of my voice. You've got a fresh step forward for each one of us, Father. Maybe it's in ministry, maybe it's in relationship, maybe it's in work, maybe it's in finances, maybe it's in shaking off some of the things that Therese was even talking about, but I'm praying for freedom, Father, a free spirit to arise in every person in this room. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I want to pray such an important prayer. Maybe you're here today and you've never actually surrendered to Jesus as the Lord of your life. Maybe you thought it was just about obeying a bunch of rules, but I just want to encourage you to know you don't get your act together and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus He starts fixing our life. Maybe you've never surrendered to him. Maybe you're here today and there was a day when you used to be closer to the Lord than you are today. You know it in your own soul. Today would be an incredible day for you to come home. 
or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand, I want to pray with you today. It's a step forward just while you're seated, nobody looking around, but I want to pray with you if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you've slipped away from where you used to be, or you just don't feel confident about where you stand with God, but you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? I want you to lift your hand real high all over this room and say, I'm ready to surrender to Jesus. I'm ready to come back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, all over the room. Just be honest, be bold, just take that step, just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but I, I just want to pray with you. And I think there's something powerful about you recognizing it's time for me just to say yes to God. Anybody else say, include me in that prayer. God bless you. Thank you, dear. Anybody else? Let's pray this prayer together. This is for everyone who lifted their hand, but I'd like for all of us to join together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I've messed up. But I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I surrender to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord? Beautiful.